As you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important. Our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right, you simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time! Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen! Shoots and scars! Nathan McKinnon! Call JT Comfer! 877 goes now! Gabriel Landeskog! Collective hugs! 29 and 92! Save me by Grubauer! Move over, Picasso! This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious! Welcome into the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout and you'll be in and out in minutes. Plus, you can use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We're here talking about a real bona fide hockey game, but it was a preseason game. And, well, I mean, Vegas showed up. The Avs were in the building, but the hockey wasn't the best, was it? A real bona fide hockey game, sort of, kind of. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the Evs. Um, I mean, yeah, not a ton good to say, is there? <laughs> four minutes into the game, Bowen Byram scores into his own net. But hey, he did score a goal. So I don't know. I mean, they could have they could have ended the game right there, and we would have already gotten everything we needed out of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's look, I don't think the game was the worst ever through the first half of it, but things went downhill quickly in the second half. You know, the first half, it was a really competitive game, right? Uh, it was, it really was. I mean, they were, you know, the abs had their chances. Uh, they just didn't capitalize on them, obviously, because they got shut out. Yeah, five and to final. the third period, the they set the tone by scoring ninety seconds into it on a good, a great reminder as to why Hunter Miska's on an AHL deal. Yeah, that rebound was. Uh, I mean, something that that he seemed to have any trouble with the first shot at all. Right, it's a, it's a shot from a tough angle that he should have smothered easily. Yeah, and instead he bounced off of him and turned into a juicy rebound. Which turned into an easy goal, and it was just like. And yeah, and honestly, for me, the turning point was the Avs not scoring on a full two minutes of five on three. But the the power play was not encouraging. Uh, I mean, a, a two minute five on three. And I, I remember one. I, I, I remember yeah. one shot on goal. That was it. One shot on goal in a full two minutes of five on three. Yeah. So wasn't great. More concerning for me is the system they set up in was the same. Oh, hi, Rex. I guess we'll edit that out. No, Rex is on the show now. 
Okay, that's my pup for everyone. Say hello to Rex. <laughs> it would have been awesome had he done it again right there. That would have been great, but he doesn't know speak yet. He barely knows sit and lie down. So Is he a pup? Yeah. No, he's three now. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, we never taught him how to speak as he speaks again, but... <laughs> We didn't teach him how, he just does it. Yeah, well, he almost never does it, except for when I'm doing something like work. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but but that's kind of how the Avs power play was. They just stood there. Nobody moved their feet. Nobody really tried to accomplish anything deep in the zone, especially on that five-on-three. They ran a really weird setup where they had Kout on the point. And yeah, well, until he decided to start wandering around. Well, uh, hey, man, at least someone was skating a little bit. The three forwards down in the zone literally were like pillared into the ground. Yeah. And it was a good it was a good reminder that Tyson just setting up Tyson Jost for one timers is like not what you want to do. Like, it's not it's not what he does. It's not it's never in any scouting report ever about Tyson Jost. Has it been like, yeah, that's it. He one-times it. Like, we want to hit him with a one-timer. Not not it, Chief. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can kind of separate this into two sections of the forward and the defense here. Because, to be honest, both sides struggled quite a bit. But I had an easier time picking out positives on forwards than I did on defensemen. I think nearly every defenseman in this game struggled. Uh, At... At some junction, yes. Um, considering that there are there were four guys in there that I think play for the Avs this year, right? Pretty disappointing overall performance from that defense. I say that, but of course, it's four guys who are all going to be fighting for the third pairing, right? Um, <laughs> they each might get ten games it, at most, right? Like whatever, however that ends up being split. Um, the 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 most impressive of them was Connor Timmons. Uh, a really a brutal start, man. Yeah. But I, so when I watch young players uh, and, and you're scouting young players and you're talking about development and you're trying to find things that you like about a player's game, I like when a, a young player has a bad game. I, I, especially early on, I like when he has a, a bad start because you really get an idea of the mental makeup. And for Connor Timmons to have played the way that he did early on, uh, they get down one nothing. They're down two nothing in the second period, and he's still pushing, pushing, pushing. And then the third period rolls around, and he's activating. They're getting blown out now in a preseason game, and that dude just doesn't care. He is—he's still jumping up into the play. He's still working hard. He's still taking it seriously. He's fully engaged in a preseason game. And for me, I think that just speaks to Connor Timmons' competitor. Yeah, I, the big selling point for me there is how comfortable he looked by the end of the game. As you said, he started off weak, and really the whole defense did not look comfortable at all out there for large portions of the game. But as the game continued forward, you saw Timmons start to get his rhythm. And by the end of it, he looked like he was just playing in any given day, any game he could fit right in. Yep. So that I did like, 
I do want to talk about Byram. Okay. Even ignoring the the own goal, I do think he struggled quite a bit in this game. The things that I really liked about him, uh, there were little moments, and and everything I liked was when he had the puck. Yeah, I I will agree with that. Everything I didn't like was when he was away from the puck, uh, and to be honest, just raw playing defense. And what I really liked when he had the puck, and some of this was in the defensive zone too, when he was just breaking it out, extremely patient. Mm-hmm. We see, and we saw it last night, Barbario, Graves. Uh, we saw it a lot last couple of years in Patrick Patrick Nemeth, excuse me. We see it regularly in Nikita Zadorov. Some of these guys, when they get the puck in the defensive zone and they're under pressure, they panic. They feel like, okay, I've just, no matter what, I've got to I've got to get this thing out of the zone. I'm just going to chip it up the boards and give it back to him and then live to fight another day. And like that's not the worst play. Like if that's truly your only option, that's fine. Like I don't mind that you're out of the zone and it's safe. And then and then they have to you have to force them to conjure up another controlled zone entry or a dump in, which is really just a 50-50 puck. Right. So, you know, it's not the worst play. But a lot of times that turns into turnovers. It turns into icings. It turns into more problematic results than, oh, well, you just chipped it up. And what I liked about Byram was how calm he was and that he always had his head up on defense. He would go to retrieve a puck, and he he'd already looked around. He knew where his teammates were. He knew where his outlets were. He, under, he was already understanding of what Colorado's breakout system is and where the, he was expecting players to be. And he could he consistently made plays in that area of the game where, and sometimes it's basic. Sometimes it's as simple as, oh, just backhanded off the board and around my net to my to my teammate. It doesn't, good defense doesn't always have to be sexy. You know, it doesn't have to show up on highlights. Smart, reliable, strong, repeatable hockey is all in the little things. It's all in the little details. And I think that's where Byram did well last night. Uh, and and obviously there were some flashier moments on offense. You know, on the power play, he jumped into a couple of the into a couple of the the plays and had uh, quality shots on goal and and scoring chances. Uh, that's that's the stuff that we saw in junior where we fully expect that to carry over to the NHL. That's the stuff we're going to see a lot of that we've already seen. That's his that's his DNA. We know he is that guy. I was a lot more interested in how he handled, uh, especially an aggressive four check like the one that Vegas lays on you. And I thought he, that's where I was impressed with him. And I thought that that's, that was the area of his game that I felt showed a lot of maturity and a lot of polish and an area where if he gets dropped into NHL games, he's going to be successful in that spot. In that spot, I think is fair. And you know, before I, I get into his negatives, I do want to say this is his first ever game in the Pepsi Center. <laughs> and this, right. this game means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. So there are probably some nerves involved there. There's probably a whole lot of other factors that go into this. But I felt like I didn't see nearly enough of his DNA, as you put it, particularly on the defensive side of the puck. There were a handful of times where there were loose pucks or potential puck battles that he just completely backed off from, played way, way too passively, gave up not only the Mm. offensive blue line, but the defensive one as well. He also shied away from contact a lot. 
I mean, he had a couple of guys where he really could have rode them into the boards and basically didn't even touch them. Yeah, and that's that is unusual. He's not like an overly physical guy, but he's not a guy that's been looking to avoid contact. Right. So to to have seen that last night was certainly that's one where if you're like okay, this is an abnormal thing from all the games we've watched of him, you're chalking that up to nerves. You're chalking that Definitely. up to well, he's not playing within himself right now. You know, something something else is going on. So that's one where for one game, you kind of just write it off and say, hey, he's learning and he was nervous and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You don't want to see that continue. Because if it does, that's become that it becomes less of a, oh, he was just nervous and it was his first game and he's 18 years old. And, you know, like, the the NHL and the top of all these pro sports leagues is a results-based business. It's not a feel-good business. It's not a forgiving business. You've got to be able to produce. And if you're going to be an 18-year-old that's there, you've got to be able to hang. You can't always make an excuse every single time of, oh, he's just 18. You've got to be able to play. And last night, there were enough nervy moments there from Byram that it raised a legitimate question. Now, I expect he's going to play a lot in this preseason. And, you know, you don't want to make too much of it. But right now we've got one NHL preseason game uh, on on tape. And if you were basing it off of just that one game, he'd be going back to the WHL. For sure. I don't think there's any doubt that if this was it, you're not seeing the NHL this year. The rest of the D, it was kind of a mishmash. Ryan Graves kind of had an interesting night and the fact that he ended up injuring a dude by firing a puck at head level and then took a stick to the eye at the end of the game with a little bit of karma, maybe. But beyond that, his actual play, I think, was not the game he was hoping for. Yeah. And the same could be said of Barbario, really. It, it was a struggle of a night for the four guys. Honestly, all four of them didn't play amazing that are competing for those spots. As we said, Timmons look the best by the end of the night. Yeah. Um, honestly, all those guys struggled. Um, again, if I'm basing it off of just last night, and right now that's the only thing that we have to go off of, so that's what we're talking about. Like, let's keep it in context here. We understand there are five more preseason games, and there's two weeks left in the preseason. Like, we know that there's more to come. But if I'm basing it off of last night, Timmons is the guy that wins that job. Yeah, He's the guy that plays next to Ian Cole when Cole gets healthy. You would have to give it to him if you're you're narrowing your scope down to this small of a a range. Of course, I imagine both him and Byram will get in at least a couple more preseason games as we go through here, and, and those decisions will get narrowed down. But we can cut segment one there. We can talk about the forwards a bit more in segment two. Mm-hmm. But one thing I can promise you that preseason games are for is drinking beer. So it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of a number of their beers at this point, whether it's their world-famous Avalanche, their Oatmeal Stout, and I actually got the chance to try their summer pills at the Pepsi Center the other day last night i suppose it was pretty good i'm not the biggest pilsner fan but even then i've still yet to have a breck beer that i don't like i would t- 
take any of them any day of the week. And of course, the Strawberry Sky is still out there. It's still getting distributed basically across the entire Midwest at this point. I'm not sure exactly how many liquor stores it's Mm. in, but... Showed up in Rochester. Oh, wow. So that's not even the Midwest. Yeah. That's uh, that's out east. So maybe it's it's nationwide at this point. It's pretty much everywhere. So keep an eye out for it or, for that matter, any other Breckenridge beer at your local liquor store. And also keep an eye on bsendeavor.com where we have the Breckenridge event calendar. We'll be drinking those Beck, Breck beers and watching different games, whether it be abs, nuggets, Broncos, you name it. We'll have watch parties. Please, RSVP, come out and have a good time with us. Second segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast with Nathan and AJ. We talked about the defense a little bit. I do want to get into the forwards as well. Game where you shut out 5 nothing. Obviously going to be tough to really have a ton of positives on the forward side. I want to start with one, though, and for me, that was Nick Henry. He was one of the few players on that kind of stagnant power play that was actually willing to shoot the puck, and it worked In the first period, when he was getting a decent amount of power play time, they were generating a little bit, and then it just fell off the cliff for him. Pew, pew, pew. Yep. Pew, 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 pew. (laughs) That dude just fires darts, man. That It's what he does. It's what he needs to do. We said it on our preview podcast that he needs to just shoot the puck, and that's what he came out and did. He did get fairly limited minutes. I think he was on either the fourth or third line for most of the night, but in the time he did get, it was it was what we wanted to see. Uh, yeah, and really, minute distribution last night was, I thought, pretty fair. Yeah, I, I think so as well, based on where people stand within the organization. Yeah, like Nick Henry played 14 minutes. I'm, you know, I'm fine with that. And A.J. Greer played almost 20. Like, Greer's a guy that played a little bit in all situations, and you wanted to see as much as you possibly could from him. Yep. Um, you know, same from Kamenev, you know, but... You wanted to see something from those guys, and <sighs> after really good camps, they were disappointing. You know, Greer yeah. Greer was so close on a couple of different chances, and just couldn't quite pull the trigger on any of them. Yeah, I I didn't hate Greer's game because he was generating the opportunities. It was yeah. just he'd fumble the puck or he'd curl off to the corner instead of trying to cut to the middle or, or something like that. It just mm-hmm. wasn't quite finishing. Yeah, and that's with Greer, the skill level is the question. And like right. the last year or so, you know, all this talk that that certainly on this pod from myself about Greer and like, there's no, there's no illusions here that this is a top six player. No, that'll never be his role in the NHL. Yeah, like there, that's never been our conversation. You know, it's always been, hey, can he, can he chip in 20, 25 points and play in a bottom six role for you? He's a good skater, he's a physical player. You know, bring some, bring some intensity, bring some attitude, bring some drive to your lineup. Uh, that's, that's his profile. And I think I think we saw all of that on display last night, but with not enough skill level to really drive it home. Right, and he certainly wouldn't be the first, and won't be the last player to be good enough to dominate at the AHL level, but not have that skill to take that next step. So, it is something that he does need to show still, and you know, even if he doesn't show that much of it, there are ways he can get into the NHL. You could become a fourth line grinder. 
yeah, it is going to require at least 10, 15 points Belmar style level of play. Is that something that maybe you'd like to see them focus on with him and make sure he can really lock down that defensive side of his game? I love that he was on the PK. Yeah. Um, if he if he can really carve out a niche there, that would be great. Yeah, I I really do think that's probably his most likely path to the NHL at this point. And putting him next to Belmar, uh, you know. Yeah, we've talked about how that has already seemed to help him through camp. And- yeah, I mean they they hit it off right away, and you can't help but say, hey, you know, why don't why don't we see in a preseason game what they look like together next to a guy that he'd likely play with, and a Calvert or a Nieto, pick one. I don't care. I don't care which one, but pick one and see what that line looks like together against NHL competition. You know, I, I liked that they gave Greer huge minutes last night and blah, 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 blah. That's great. But I would like to see that. I would like to see him with the NHL guys and just see, Hey, how much of a gap between these guys is there really? You know, because if there is one, if you if you can see it and you're like, wow, he's not he's not even close to Belmar's uh, skill level, then, you know, this isn't an NHL player. Right. It makes it obvious at that point. Right. Put him put him with the guys whose role you're hoping that he can play and see how he gels with them. See how he fits in. If he can't do it, it'll be very obvious very early on. Honestly, I'm I just I. They've got enough opportunity here. The Wilson injury, the Ranton in absence. It's, you know, as much as those things are negatives, they do open the door to look at other other options that you, they may not otherwise have done. Yeah. It, I mean, this is what the preseason is all about, especially the first few games, is you get the chance to look at these guys. You can see him in game one like this. Sure, nobody really ices anything close to an NHL roster. But as you push into further games, you need to start stepping things up, getting him not only with NHL teammates, but against NHL competition. Yeah, it's getting getting these guys as, as all the teams start to increase the the uh, NHL caliber number, number of NHL caliber players on their preseason roster like you start to get a better idea. Okay, well, these are these are better and better simulations of what this is going to be like in the regular season. Players are going to falter there. Maybe Greer ends up faltering, but you need to see it. You have to put it on the ice and say, look, if this works, we can run with it. 100%. Like, you've got to see. Man, I, I would play him in four or five of the preseason games. Give him tons of preseason time and... If it just doesn't happen, if you and, and if it happens in one game and it doesn't happen in the other two or three games, then again, you know, because you need consistency. Right. It's got to be consistent. If he goes out and he gives you three solid games in a row, then, you know, okay, great. You've earned a fourth game. So what are your thoughts then on Tyson Jost in this game? Because I do think he was the Avs best forward, mm-hmm. but that isn't saying much, is it? I thought he was really solid. And I think, you know, when, oh, well, they didn't score. And that, like, look, we're not living under the, in a world where we expect Tyson Jones to be the best player on his line right now. Right. We don't expect him to drive his line. We don't expect him to be the key cog there. Correct. We're pretty much expecting him to be the third forward on his line. Right. And, or even second. But the point is, is that we're expecting him to play off of somebody. If right. he's the most talented guy on your line, 
your expectations for that line are tempered. And I think that was what we saw last night. You know, where was Jost at his best? Playmaking for his teammates, on the forecheck, digging pucks out and and creating a little bit of havoc uh, in in their breakout. Against with do that with you know some of the some of the plays that he made last night. He got in on the forecheck, dug one of the pucks out, and it turned into a golden scoring chance in front of the net. You do that with a Nazem Kadri, then there's a much better chance that that's a goal. Very true. And so you know that's I thought his process was exactly what I wanted to see from him. He was the best player out there. He looked like the NHL player. He looked like a polished player. It really drives it home for me that there there are still people out there who are like, no, he'll have a good IHL career. Like, no, you're wrong. He's an NHL player. And I think last night showed that. I think last night showed that he is an NHL caliber player. It's just a question of how high end is it. Right. It's insane to me that people call him a bust. He's not a bust. You can Did call it not- a disappointment, but don't call right. him a bust. Exactly. Has he not lived up to expectations? Fair. Bust? Yeah. No. Definitely. I definitely has not lived up to the expectations as the 10th overall pick, but he's a serviceable NHLer, and we're still trying to figure out where the ceiling is. Uh, and last night I thought was another encouraging, hey, he played center and he looked like the center we saw in the postseason just with not quite as skilled line mates. I'd say that's a good way to put it with Jost. He's never going to be that guy to drive a line, as you right. said. He's not going to be if he, he can't be the focal point of a line. I yep. think is what we're what we've really started to learn about him, and that is okay. Just yeah. know that and put him in appropriate situations, and you'll be just fine. And there's only four lines, right? You have eight guys who aren't driving lines in a forward core. Plenty of those guys can fit into a lineup. It's not that big of a deal. Moving down the lineup real quick, we won't have to talk about this group for very long, but all of the junior forwards have been sent back to their lineup, their teams after this game. Not a great night for any of them, particularly. I think you mentioned Burzan, and I agree that he stood out the most. Really a a bit of a struggle for for Bocage after we talked him up, but I guess it happens. The Bocage stuff, I was just sitting there thinking last night, God. I had just talked this kid up on the pod, how impressed I was with him, how much I liked his game, how much I was I liked what he did in, in training camp. He was awful last night. Just awful. Unfortunately, that skating issue that we had kind of pegged as his biggest problem really, really shone through in this game. What surprised me was the hands. Yeah. He has a clear breakaway in the first couple minutes of the game, and if Puck hits his stick like it hit a garage door. Yeah. <laughs> like a tennis ball hitting a garage door, dude. I was like, what? Like, it just, it just, bleh. okay. And much like Byram, there's probably some nerves going on there. 18-year-old kid, first NHL game, and it just sucks that he won't get another preseason game and that our lasting memory is of him you know, just breakaways. Yeah. Right. Just botching scoring chances last night, just coughing pucks up left and right. And then taking a silly high sticking penalty. On the other side, you have maybe one of the few forwards actually competing for a roster spot here in Kamenev who just completely disappeared. I hardly notice him at all in this game. (sighs) There were some things I liked. Um, 
every positive was met with a negative. Yeah. And that just leaves you back stuck in neutral. What I really didn't like is that he took two big hits and checked out. Yeah. And you just can't have that in the NHL. Right. You're going to get hit, especially playing bottom six dudes. You're going to get hit. And his level of engagement has always been Jared Bednar's biggest issue with him. And for him to take two big hits like that and mentally check out, I, you know, as quickly as this pendulum swings, because we just saw, we just saw uh, a really strong camp from Cam and Evan. Then that first preseason game could not have been more discouraging just the way that it played out for him. In my eyes, anyway. It, it definitely felt like getting in back into bad habits, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it. he started off, I thought it looked good. He was he was getting after it a little bit. There were some nice plays in the game, but... This is a guy who's already been injured by big hits twice. And yeah, and you just can't disappear, man. Right. Like, you just, you just can't have it. Especially in a game like this, where the number of NHL players and it can be counted on one hand, basically. Right. And, and like most of the, any the experienced NHL guys on both sides are depth guys. Right. You're not facing any real top six danger here. I'm, I'm just, it was just disappointing, man. It was, it was the exact thing that you didn't want to see. He should come ready to play. hundred percent. I mean, he needs to, okay. He gets hit. He can't shut. He can't shut down. He's got to get mad. He's got to get after it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we can stop segment two here. I believe this is a as good a place as we're gonna get. This is the second game between Vegas and the Avs this preseason. First one, Avs took at the rookie camp. Vegas takes this one. They have a third one coming at the end of preseason. The rubber match as it were. And as you guys know, supporting local businesses is in our blood, and we're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. And it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. DRC offers innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries, including aero space, pharmaceutical, construction, medical, military, electronics, and so, so much more. An ISO certified company that will work with you from design to final product that is both cost effective and will meet your requirements. If you're in need of custom design, material selection for your project, or have a deadline to make for a large order, do not hesitate to call Denver Rubber Company. Call them today at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com and tell them who sent you. Third and final segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast with Nathan and AJ kind of closing up things on this Vegas game. We've covered most of the forwards and the defense. We also have the goalies to talk about a little bit. You mentioned Miska's the first goal he gave up was a little bit of a struggle. I actually didn't mind Adam Werner, despite giving up the two goals. We mentioned the one own goal by Bowen Byram. Pretty hard to fault Werner on that one. And then the other goal he gave up was a power play. Yeah, you aren't expecting your teammate to shoot on you. Yeah, right, so, exactly. And it was a perfect five-hole snipe, too. Right, and it was just it was just a perfect storm of uh, of circumstances that really caught him off guard there. So it 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 was fine. I liked Werner a lot more than uh, Miska. The thing with Werner is I I still Settled do in. 
he did settle in. I do wonder about his lateral movement still a little bit. I don't think it's the fastest, but he gets away with it a lot of the time just because he's so dang big. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, that's kind of the thing that you're always talking about. Smaller guys are more athletic. Bigger guys are less athletic, you know? If you can find someone with both, lock them up forever. Yeah, if you find someone with both, then you've got Ben Bishop or Pecorino. Right. You have a really, really, really good NHL starter. So, kind of just final thoughts on this game before we kind of step into to what we want to see going forward through this preseason. Um, It was such a young game that it, you know, I, I kind of just shrugged. Yeah, definitely. Fair. It was... Not going to draw any strong conclusions from it, you know, and I said that, hey, if I had to pick certain guys based on that game last night, but they don't have to. They've got five more games. They've got two more weeks of practice. You know, they've got lots of opportunities for these guys to continue to show the good habits in practice every day at the rink, you know, in, in the way that they go about their business everything that they're doing they've they still have all the time in the world to show all that off and that's you know that's we're just kind of getting started here just yesterday was just the first of six of these things yep and the by far the least important given the lineups <laughs> without a doubt it you would have liked to see a little more life maybe at least one goal but yeah, one goal in the last three Avs games is definitely um, not great. I think you said it was, what, 0 for 23 on the power play or something? Just a little. Yeah, well, in, in, um, I believe they got another power play after that, so it ended up being 0 for 24 in the last three games. Yeah, it was 0 for 5. That's a yikes. So, 0 for 24 in the last three games with one goal scored between the last two games of the rookie tournament and... And it's time to start seriously wondering, you know, what's what's up with that P with the the, the power play and hey, the, I mean, even the even the PK gave up two goals. Yep, and gave up multiple goals in the tournament. It, it's I think it's time to start seriously wondering because these are both those are both continuations of problems that they had at the end of last season. They are. We mentioned on the power play, the systems fell into the same kind of trap that they did last year with the stagnation of the players and. Yes, this isn't Kadri and McKinnon out there. Right. But those guys are are masking the issues and we're seeing how limited this system is when it when when non-elite talent is on the ice. Exactly. And honestly that that's my biggest concern from this game. I'm not worried about the scoreboard. I'm not worried about the results of the game really. It's looking at those systems and going this could be a problem. Uh yeah. Yeah, I that might have been my most negative takeaway is that hey, the special teams are still a concern. Yep. You know, it's it's easy to lean on Ray Bennett's experience and his results. Again, the guy has produced top 10 power plays basically every year that he's been doing this the last like decade. So you know, you you do want to give credence to, hey, that guy has produced results in the NHL for an extended period of time. But at the same time, when you're watching this up close, it's you do wonder, you know, how much of that is just, oh, the elite talent is overcoming a lackluster overall system here. 
I'd love maybe I'll have to do a dive into the actual players he was using on his previous units. Take well, he was in St. Louis for a long time, and it was all Shattenkirk and Tarashenko and Bacchus and Schwartz and you know those guys, like good players. Yeah, I I do wonder how much it relies on a, a really high end shooter is the thing. But it's the NHL. You need to be a good shooter to score. So. Right. And it's like, oh, wow. Got to have a great shooter to score goals. Oh, this is you guys are really reinventing the wheel here on this pod. <laughs> but and and we saw last night, like the trigger man was Jost and that's not what he should be doing. It's not where he's going to excel uh, him. You know, bopping one timers is not that's not his world. It's not Bo Byram's world. Definitely you not. Can you watch you you watch him? Uh, he scores his goals a whole lot closer to the net, right? He the same the same way Kale McCarr does. You know where you watch his goals at UMass, like him standing back there just firing off one timers. That's not his world. It really isn't. Yeah, that's not where either one of those guys. And sure, we've seen through two NHL years. That's not where Sam Gerrard's world is either. So. Might require a bit of a change in that regard, yeah. Right, so might might need to play to your personnel, might need to coach to your personnel just a little bit more than it has been. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure that that top unit will get out there and they'll go three for four in one of these games at some point, and it'll be like, see, 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 see. <laughs> and, uh, well, all right, well, you know, results, what, you know, results talk. Sure, they surely do, and... You know, if you can get away with it with that top unit just based on raw skill, fine. But that doesn't keep you from maybe switching it up with that second unit, at least. For sure. Uh, I just think that uh, there is a reason to be concerned. I'm with you. The systems are the one thing you can take away from this game because those th- those aren't going to change. It's not going to be a different system for a different set of players. They want to run the same system with everybody. The Eagles were awful. Yeah. Last season on the, the power Eagles play. power play was just awful. I, you know, and I was chatting with somebody on the way out of the arena last night who kind of just rolled their eyes and said, we saw a lot of that last night with the, or last year with the Eagles. Yep. And yeah. And I remember it, it comes back to the, the cliche we were just talking about, but the Eagles didn't have any great snipers. They were using Mark Alt as the trigger man on their power play. And it's like, no wonder you're not scoring. Right. So if you don't have that sniper, your system needs to be built around a way to get around that. It needs to be built around puck movement. Cause it needs to be exploiting the extra space that you have on the ice where you're creating uh passing lanes um, you know, that that are opening up easy goals, which is hard to do because you have NHL defenders that are disciplined and know what to look for. It is. It, I don't envy the job of having to, to manage these systems and get what's best, but it's the one thing that you can point out as, as needs to be better right now. Yeah, gotta see, gotta see improvement in the special teams throughout the preseason. And I understand that the units were rotating, especially the PK where there were guys, there were guys all over the place. Um, but at the same time, like you, you've got to produce some results here, right? You got to show that you're good at these things, and if you're going to win an NHL job doing them, if we're 
a couple more games into the preseason here and there still hasn't been a single power play goal alarm's got to be going off especially i I mean yeah i i context wise you know if they're going to get five power plays per per game then you've got to score if you're going to get two power plays per then you know a little bit of a different story of course it's it's definitely hard when it's that limited we're still talking a successful power play unit an elite unit is in the 20 percent range Right. And that's one out of five on the money. So, so like, you know, when you keep that in mind, you're like, oh, they have five power plays and only scored once on it. Like, yeah, that's pretty good. Right. (laughs) Like that's, that's right where you're humming along in top, top of upper echelon as as an NHL power play. A couple other uh, weird concerns as we wrap, wrap up this game. It felt a lot like the Avs just straight up gave up on this third period. Vegas scored the two quick goals, and the Avs ended up with three shots in the third period to 14, despite Vegas leading the entire game. There were a couple of standouts, like you said. Timmons continued pushing through. But you kind of hate to see a, a team just quit on a game like that. Yeah, and it's a pretty, and I mean, this is how games. This is how games go. And it's in hard hockey. to make it matter in in the it's, first preseason game. And it's four nothing two minutes into the third period. You know, coming into the third, you're down two nothing, and you're all right, boys. We still got. We get one, and this is a one goal game. We're one shift away from tying this thing up, and you know, it's a totally different feel. You're two minutes and nine seconds into the third period, and you're two nothing. Is now four nothing. Yeah, it's totally just, deflating straight bopped and we're just out of like, the okay. game yeah like let's let's just get out of here let's let's get out of here being healthy this this game doesn't count let's just bounce yes and no being the preseason being the lineup that it is you do want to see someone stand out and and continuing to give everything they have even in a situation like that because there aren't that many chances sure so I would have I would have liked to see a couple more players really try and try and push it still. It is still uh, human nature. It is, and you know I I've done it plenty of times in my life where the game is over and you're just like, all right, checking out. But it I do it in Heroes of the Storm all the time. GG <laughs> <laughs> no re, I guess. I uh. <laughs> Oh, what's that? We're down three levels and you guys are arguing in chat. All right, I'm just going to go bot and hang out by myself. (laughs) Y'all acted a fool. Leave me alone. Well, as long as nobody got toxic, I guess it's good for something. What do you mean nobody got toxic? It's a MOBA. Well, You know know how MOBAs go? I I more meant in the Avs hockey game. Oh, well, in that case. Yeah, the, it, the MOBA it, game starts toxic. I don't know. You know, Keegan Colasar tried to make it toxic again. Well, and then he got a puck to the mouth, so. That's one way to shut that dude up. Yep. That was the double doink, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah <laughs> Two it, it, dudes. Haig uh, off the side of the head right into Colasar's mouth. Yeah, I uh, I was sitting next to Evan in the press box, and I was like, did we just get a double doink? <laughs> And like Greer like goes down in the middle of it in a heap too, and you're just like, what was that? Well, there you go. At least we found the name of this show, Double Doink. Nice. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad to help out. I'm glad, I'm glad to be useful for something today. 
Oh, you've been you've been useful on this I, whole pod. I, I tore down the Broncos on the Denver Sports Pod and like went off, and uh, you know, said a few words about the Avs and their uh, mismanagement of the Rantanen situation as well. So yeah, yeah, I imagine that'll be something we talk about tomorrow. So I suspect it'll be the main topic. <laughs> we'll leave it there with the negativity. Give me something positive to end this podcast on. It's a beautiful day in Denver. I was outside just a little while ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is why I live here. Living here rocks. It finally feels like fall. It's summer has dragged on for so long. It got here late and then it got really hot and then it yeah. was like because uh, normally like the last week of August, we're pretty good in Denver. Like it's not so bad. But like the next week, it's gonna get into the seventies pretty regularly. And like the mid to low 80s, and it's like it it finally broke from that. Okay, this this heat sucks and is miserable, right? And it, we are definitely getting into uh in, into the one of the beautiful seasons of living in Denver, where it's right in that in between. It's just like yes, the leaves are finally starting to change, at least in the metro area. I know the mountains already kind of have it, but. Yeah, I uh, uh, my the tree in my front yard is yellow. There you go. And so. I was like, I I was I didn't even notice it until the other day. I was like, wow, our our tree is yellow now. That's very bright. So some nice colors, some nice nice weather to look forward to. And hey, the Avs game tomorrow would be hard to do worse. So that to look forward to as well. I can tell you, whoever the Avs end up putting on the roster in that next preseason game, what are they going to be, AJ? Game-changing. Got them. Now it's time to tell you about some game-changing coffee as well. Straffa Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews continue to be incredible, and they just keep rolling in, so be sure to take a look at them. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all-natural and not psychoactive. I actually tried it, finally, not too long ago, and... I am a person who has had migraines for a lot of my adult life and they're usually manageable, but mm -hmm. I can confirm that it does help put them away. Yeah. It's uh, most of my CBD use has always been about migraines as well. And it's always been effective. So confirmed, get it. If you have migraines, it will help as Strava craft says, drink deeply, live fully. You can check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN 2019 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. That's it for us. We will talk to you again tomorrow.